now and it's you know there's i also feel there's benefit to shooting against those guys who are your competition you know whether it be um you know jj nils max or any of the other guys who were on the super squad or jay beal who wasn't on there but you know could be every year yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that I guy mean, could be on last year. He would one hundred percent been on the Super Squad this year. Um, absolutely, I was fully expecting him to be on it uh, this year. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't necessarily comes first. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with the way they determine who's on the the Super Squad. Um, and this year, yeah. and and again in June, I feel that they need to have two. You need to have Super Squad A, Super Squad B. Because you have enough guys, you have enough guys who are in those, you know, you have 20, look, when you have the people you have showing up for a standalone carry optics match, you literally have the best of the best. And with it being in June and the world shoot over is Christian Seiler now going to shoot the standalone carry optics match or national championship next year in June. So why not? Why not take the top 25 people? Because when you have those people show up, it's it's no longer your normal nationals. And this is literally yeah. the creme de la creme. You have everybody showing up. Who is anybody? Make two of mm-hmm. them. Have two super squads. Okay, in, no, in, you know? Yeah. I mean, because this is – I can't remember. And I mean, I've only been around the sport for about three years. But this, this nationals – like completely split the super squad. Like half the people who are on super squad are not going to be on it next year. And like kind of looking back at previous years, that hasn't happened. I think to the degree it happened this year. And that's just because of all the other competitors coming in and shooting it. Um, I yes. really, really like the concept of the, the carry optics only nationals because I mean, it is the biggest division. Everybody and their grandmother is going to get a pistol with a dot and coming to shoot, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I like that. I like it being spaced out. So you can have your open shooters, your production shooters, everybody join in. I mean, I can't think of a major like competitor who didn't shoot carry optics other than like Casey, Tilly, and Siler, you know? Like other than those yeah. three guys. And I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but like everybody else was there. Like they were it was the heat, it was the match to go to for sure. I mean, Absolutely. I, I would even argue that it was the biggest match other than like a world's and heat compared to any national that's ever been just because it was, everybody was there. Yeah. I, I shoot a, I shoot a Canic. Obviously Nils shoots a Canic. I, I shoot <laughs> a rival, uh, but I started shooting Canic before I knew who Nils was. So I didn't mm-hmm. buy it because of that. But since then I've obviously followed him a lot. I've had him on the show. I'm going to have him on again. And I hung out with him at shot show a lot during the day when he was there. So I got to talk to him a lot. And he and I were chatting recently privately on Instagram and he equated the win this year to his 2014 limited win where everybody who was anybody showed up because that was a standalone match and everybody showed up to shoot limited. So it's been eight years that they've had anything of this size with this type of heat and it is the biggest division. So it's the most popular division. You're going to get the most heat, the most competition in that division. So let's keep it going and let's, let's make it better. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like it's, it's semi in the middle of the categories. Cause you can have your open guys who can grab a carry optics gun and can learn the recoil impulse of a carry optics gun and shoot well. But then you also have your production and your limited guys who take the same gun they're shooting but just put a dot on it and they can compete in carry optics. And so like there's there's lots of crossover. You know, it's not like a, a revolver guy going to shoot open, you know? Like there's so many other things he has to learn. Like it's a very similar platform to a lot of other divisions that just takes a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of live fire to confirm some stuff up, and then it's just your normal shooting. Yeah, and other than open, um, it's the same platform that people use in limited and production. So, you know, people shoot SIGs and limited. They'll shoot a 40 SIG. So, yeah. You got Coley shooting clocks. 
I mean, there's lots of plastic guys. I mean, Nils yeah. just won it with no. Yeah, Nils won it with a plastic gun. I mean, you got well, Mason he was, shooting uh, SIGs. Yeah, Mason shooting SIGs. Isaac Lockwood shoots SIGs, and I mean everybody. It's so it's yeah, it's it's like, that uh, it bridges the, the everything. For, like, yes, definitely. The the time where it's you have to have this gun to win. I think that time is over. Um, I think it it really just comes down to who is the better competitor, no matter the gun you put in their hands. I think that's I think what it, what it, what it comes down to because I mean early on you had to compete with that specific gun in that division, you know, um, and now right. I don't think that's the case anymore. No, I think yeah, it's definitely come down to you know how well do you know your gun and how well can you run it, and that's what it's that's what it's coming down to. So. And that's also says something about the industry too. I mean, there's lots of been lots of advancements in the firearm and the red dot miniature optic advancements over the past couple of years that has been allowed to have different platforms perform great. You know, there's not just one platform that outshines everybody else. They all have their what they're good at. Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, it, the the guns themselves have improved. I mean, who would have guessed that? You know, a, a Turkish company that nobody had heard of before would produce a gun good enough to win nationals, maybe yeah. worlds. And then now you have red dot companies cranking out all different types of red dot. So depending on your budget and what you want and what, you know, you prefer, holy cow, mm -hmm. it's the combinations yeah. are endless. Definitely. Um, I mean, you can go. Acros, SROs, Holosuns. I think EOTech has a, a red dot. Yeah. Seymour's, SIGs. I mean, there's every company is making an optic for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before nationals, we talked a little bit earlier about your training and how you ramp up. When you see the matchbook for carry optics nationals, um, especially like for this year, they're in the matchbook, there seemed to be a lot of low ports, but when I got there and walked the stages, that's what I was looking for. There was really only a couple of low ports and they weren't that low. Um, yeah. But there was a little bit of strong hand weekend, not, not much, and there were some unloaded starts. Do you ever pick out certain things in the matchbook and go, okay, I'm going to focus on this over the next month to, to make it a strong point? Um, definitely. Um, I don't really look at like the, the overall stage in general, just because they change right. so much compared yeah. to the book and how they put on the ground. But a hundred percent, I'll look at every start position. I'll make me an Excel sheet of how many times it's hands below, how many times it's hands above, how many times it's unloaded, how many times it's loaded mm. on barrel and so on and so forth. And then I'll be like, okay, well it's, it's favoring this aspect. So I, I put in a lot of practice with unloaded starts, um, from hands above, hands below, mag next to the gun, mag on the belt, moving after you do it. Um, and then I practiced a couple of times with low ports, um, just kind of getting into a low port, because that was the first time I've shot a tunnel. Because um, in the matchbook, it was uh, described as a Cooper's tunnel. And then when we got there, it changed into just a normal tunnel, I guess. And so I definitely right. put in some time of getting into a squat um, and then shooting from a squat. Um, practice that in live fire a couple times. And uh, other than that, I mean, I, I don't have access to swingers and activators at my home range. I have to go to my local match to see those. And so I'll kind of, I'll put a little check mark next to the stage if they have those. And then whenever I walk them the day before, I'll be sure to kind of go and watch them and how com other competitors shoot them, how fast they activate and try to videotape them. If it's like an activator sequence, I'll try to take a video of it and, uh, so I can have some kind of reference. Interesting. That's a, that's not the first time I've been hearing, you know, people taking video of the activator sequence. So um, how do you normally use that video at like at nationals? Did you take any video at nationals like that? Not at this one. This one kind of seemed straightforward. Um, talking with okay. some other high level guys that were out there at the time, they were literally just like left, right, left, right. Like just shoot the steel left to right and then shoot all the activators left to right. It was pretty simple. But uh, last last year, it was like stage seven or eight where you had like the three bobbers and the, the pop outs. Like I 100% watched that one because the, the timing was all weird on that one. 
Um, they weren't very consistent. And like the left one activated faster or slower and the right one, it was kind of so on and so forth. And so you kind of had to guess a little bit on it. And uh, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you put too much emphasis on one thing and it really didn't even help you at all. But it is what it is. Do you think your training leading up to nationals worked out well for you? Definitely. Definitely. Um, a lot more of the predictive shooting, confidence building to go into nationals saying, hey, I, I can do these things. Now I just have to actually perform them and not being scared whenever you see a 30-yard target, not being scared whenever you see a touch target at five, not being scared whenever you see a low pour or something like that. Okay. And that, that all makes sense. Now, what are your – do you have any IPSC goals? Um, to start shooting it. <laughs> that's, that's about <laughs> it. Uh, I, have, I, uh, I don't know the first thing about IPSC, honestly. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think my gun is legal in IPSC, so I have to get a different gun. And uh, I'll have to dive into, like, the rules, how you shoot the match, the different procedurals and stuff like that. But I would, I would definitely love to start getting to the, the IPSC category. Um, and shoot not just USPSA. So shoot a little bit of IPSC, maybe even shoot some IDPA just for the heck of it. Shoot some steel challenge, some two gun, just to get out there and to just branch out in the in the industry. Okay. So your shooting goals, do you, um, do you have any goals to be a, we'll say, quote, unquote, professional shooter or always keep this the way um, it is now? I would love to pursue this as a career for sure. Um, I would love to dive into the more of the training side, definitely. Um, that would be okay. something I'm very much so uh, interested in. And I know I have to kind of work on myself before I can teach others. Because I mean, if you can do something, that's great. But like, if you can inspire and help others do the same thing you're doing, that's a whole different category, you know. And so there's right. some things I, I need to learn. And honestly, I need to go take some classes. I have. I've had zero formal training up to this point, so I don't I don't know what a class feels like. I don't know how a class runs, and so I want to go and take some classes first time with guys, see how classes run, so that in the future I can teach classes on my own. Just I need to, I need a basis to kind of see how things go, and uh, I definitely want to get better with irons too. I think a good instructor should know how to teach both dots and optics or dots and irons, and I have like zero. Uh, practice with irons. I basically started out with a dot and I've kept it. And so I want to kind of go back, start practicing the dot more before I can uh, teach some classes. Okay. It's interesting having talked to people who have and do train individuals. They've, um, what I've learned is they, they believe that starting a person with a dot is the best way to do it. And their reasoning was when you're shooting irons, it's hard to see that front sight all the time and what it's doing, but you can always see that dot. So you can really work on, you know, your target focus, seeing what the dot's doing so you can get your grip right, you know, trigger manipulation, the whole nine yards. Yeah. I would agree with that. I had some, uh, some like out of country people come and shoot guns at my range for the very first time in their entire lives. And so I, I put them all up on uh, red dot pistols and they were, they weren't like, they were good bullseye shooters. I would say that I wouldn't say they had understanding of like the practical speed aspect of shooting. Um, but for like practical, for, I think for bullseye shooting, a red dot a hundred percent is like the way to go to somebody to start uh, pistols um, or even just to intro and firearms in general, because they're just easier to use, you know, um, if you can, figure out how to get the dot in the window for them, then you're good. You know, other than that point, I think irons does have some advantages when it comes to kind of fudging because as you're drawing, you can kind of see the front and the back of your gun in the peripheral and you can somewhat line it up as you're going forward. Or you've put in thousands and thousands and thousands of reps in dry fire. And so, you know, your presentation is going to be there, you know, but some new right. guys haven't put that experience in. And so they kind of use that as a kind of a crutch a little bit because they haven't put in the effort in the beginning to get it. But for new shooters, they don't, they don't know what they don't know. And so sometimes it's helpful, but uh, it's just preference. I think on what the instructor wants to do and what the person wants to do. I don't think. This episode is brought to you by gun butter. 
Gun Butter is a premier lubricant for your rifle or pistol. They have grease for parts that need it, like lugs on a bolt gun. Man, do I love a bolt gun. It's a proprietary blend that they won't even trademark so as not to have to give away their trade secrets. Check out the video I put up on YouTube. Uh, look for another one coming soon. I even ran into Rick Powers, an RO at Carry Optics Nationals. He switched to it after listening to our podcast with Mason Litchfield. He loves it. Rob Epifania uses and loves it. Frank Shu uses it and loves it. Use Casual Shooter 20 and save 20% on checkout. If you're an individual who's just getting into firearms, my personal belief is I don't think you have to know how to shoot irons because the way the market is going. I mean, because I mean, look at it and like several years ago, rifles, that was like the standard. You had to have irons on rifles. And now optics are becoming so indestructible and more reliable. Some people don't put backup irons on their rifles anymore. You know, you're either running LPVOs, EOTEX, aim points, stuff like that, high quality optics that you can depend on. And so you don't have to learn how to shoot irons because most everything has dots anyway. Um, that's my yeah. personal opinion. If you're going to be an instructor, I think you need to learn both. But as an individual, I think you could probably get away with just learning the dot. Yeah. I mean, people are putting, you know, backup red dots, like a pistol red dot on the side angled off of their optic as it is. So, yeah. yeah. That's what I have on my rifle. I got a LPVO and then a, a red dot offset. Okay. All right. Now I want to get into some of this craziness you have done with shooting. Oh gosh, I'm interested to see the, the craziness you are referring to. Well, uh, I'm talking about nine, stage 19 at nationals. Uh, and for those who don't know what I'm, <laughs> what I mean is he won this by, he won this stage by two seconds over the nearest shooter which was nils so one of the things so i've got it up on the screen but i'm not going to hit play yet because i i have a quick so when you are going into a stage like this how do you determine look it's a big field stage there's a lot of shots being fired on this stage so obviously you. you know your hits matter because there's only so much time for most people. The rest of the field was very crowded in time. You're the only one who really separated mm -hmm. yourself. So if you're going into this and you know you're going to be in the thick of that time, how do you determine what you're going to do? Like, are there stage calculations going through your head? Most definitely. Definitely. Um, so I think that's one of the big components of like, having a timer in your practice, you know how fast you can do things generally, you know, like you know how fast you can split a seven yard open, uh, a partial at seven yards and open at 25. And so you can kind of have those rough numbers in your head so that you can kind of game plan of, Hey, how, how long is it take me to shoot this array versus if I run up 10 yards and then shoot it? Um, mm. Do you think that there's any benefit in that? Um, but this stage in particular, it was, I think it comes down to preference, honestly. Would you, do you think you can run, get up from a squat, run, I think it was like 10 or 15 yards, and then shoot targets um, that are 10, 12 yards away? Or do you think you can shoot everything from the back at 25 yards um, and get away with it? And uh, I've been practicing lots of distance shooting, so 25, 30, 40 yards. And I felt like I was relatively comfortable from shooting in a squat um, a lot of guys are saying, oh, I'm, you're squatting, so you're different shooting. But as long as your torso is vertical, I don't think there's any difference in shooting. You know, okay, whether you're sitting or kneeling or squatting, shooting is shooting. Um, as long as, like, your your angle of your arms to your eyes is the same. Now, if you're, like, crouched down shooting up or crouched down shooting down, it might be a little different. But, I mean, torso was straight, the arm was straight out, and it wasn't like a – a crazy like if those swingers had been partials i probably would have run it but they were open swingers um they didn't they weren't like super super fast swingers either they were just just the right like the right speed where you thought you could track it the whole time um the bobber wasn't fast at all and then the other okay. target literally just dropped out and stayed and so it just comes to the preference on if you feel like you can 
get away with it or not. And also it comes trial and error. So like there's been stages in the past where I've done that same principle, but then I got beat by local guys where I was like, Hey, I think I can stay back in the stage, shoot all of it from the front or all of it from the back. But then other guys run up to the front, shoot them all quick. And so you kind of, it's trial and error and a little bit of guesswork, a lot of luck, and then just rest on your uh, fundamentals. So do you ever use the swag method? Scientific wild ass guess? Uh, not sure. <laughs> probably probably a lot <laughs> all right i'm gonna go <laughs> yeah uh all right so i'm gonna go ahead and play it so for those people who are just listening you it's a hands on the wall start and you've got to run i'm gonna guess what about six to eight feet to the right and then at about mm -hmm. what is it eight seven to ten yards there's uh eight to ten steel about ten or twelve okay yeah. yeah depending on how far back uh that far this well, piece you got a, of steel a, a is minimum at. of what is it minimum ten of 10 yards for a piece of steel yeah yeah yes so yeah probably about 10 to 12 to 10 to 13 would be the range to the targets then all right so there's the beep and bang 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 now how did you feel it because you can't see you engaging the steel here. How did you feel? Mm -hmm. um, did, how did that go? Did that part go okay? Um, so I watched, yes. Uh, I was probably mid middle of the pack to shoot this stage. And a lot of people just would throw way too many makeups on the steel. And I mean, okay. that just drags your time down off the start. And so I knew, I was like, hey, I have to shoot a little bit more precise and see that dot on every single piece of steel. Um, just so I like, I like kind of getting a little bit of confidence as soon as I start the stage, okay. whether that be like the first target I engage, it just, if it goes smooth, I just feel more confident in the stage or like this position, I shot all the steel clean. I got out of position pretty decently. Like I just felt like I was, I was good. Like I was, it was going to be a good stage. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you are, bolting out of position here running to position two which is i believe it was two open paper targets uh one open and i think one hard cover or okay i think it was a hard cover hard cover or no shoot it was a partial at some some partial right i've got it somewhere but it, it might take me a minute or two to find the picture and the then, biggest one of those ones is just don't yeah a couple, or thinking about those two targets i was like don't be planted. Don't run up, stop, and then shoot. I wanted to shoot in and shoot out to get get out of that position as fast as possible. So did you come in on the open target then? Yes, 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 yes. Um, okay. I shot in on the open and then just did a hesitation step is what I call it, where I don't even put two feet on the ground. I still have one foot up and I'm kind of just leaning at the last second and throwing two on that partial and then I'm going out of position. Okay. And that's where you are here. Uh, it almost looks like, yeah, your right foot, the only thing touching might be your toe, maybe. Maybe. And then boom. Yeah, maybe. It's either dangling in the air or just barely touching. So you've reloaded. That's about how my shoot goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's either now one you... foot or like a tiptoe or something. Or something. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. I get it. Um, now here's your first array on the right. So it's three paper targets. You're in and out of that pretty quick. And I find it in now you didn't even reload. So that was 12 shots. Um, and then it would be two, four, six, seven, eight shots minimum down 12. range. Because it's what two steel it's, and three paper. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So the way it's, I reloaded coming into the tunnel. Um, you did. And during the tunnel, you have three targets on the right, three targets on the left, and then the eight shots at the end. And so a combined total of twenty shots. Um, I reload into a twenty-two round magazine with one in the chamber. So I actually have three makeup shots. That's a little bit risky. I'd, I'd like to have a little bit more makeup shots. But I was kind of in the mindset of accurate hits instead of fast hits. Um, 
Now, if I were to have thrown a couple makeups on the first two positions in the tunnel, I probably would have done a reload. Um, but it, it, those two, those two positions shot clean, and so I was confident in uh, having those makeups, and ended up didn't even needing one of those makeups. Okay. Now, yeah, that's that's a lot of confidence. Um, but I also noticed. So I, I'm curious when you sh when you turned. Well, so you shot the first array on the right. You moved forward, kneeling down, and shot the second array of paper targets on the left you were able to shoot from the exact same position. Like you didn't have to adjust your position at all. Looking at this yep, now. That's correct. So how much wow. rehearsal so did it take to Go ahead. How much rehearsal did it take for you to, that was very smooth for you to get that down. Um, just walking the stage um, the day before kind of noticing, Hey, if I kind of, you notice I'm not kind of in the middle of the, the tunnel either i'm favoring this right side yes and that's because if you if you favor the right side you can drop your left knee and kind of lean forward to see that last target in the position and then immediately stand up or lean forward back and you're seeing the steel um, and so i knew going into that position i have to stay off the port because i didn't want to dig my gun into the port and get all stuck and then have to reposition while i'm squatting i really kind of wanted to just be in one position and shoot the most amount of targets I can from one position instead of making it two positions. I have not counted the shots there. Did you have to have any makeups there? No, sir. At the end? They were all clean. Oh. I, went, uh, I went left steel, right steel, two on the bobber, one shot on the swinger. Um, I was a little late on the swinger, so I only got one shot off on the first pass. Went to the stationary, threw one at the stationary, went back to the swinger, threw another one at the swinger went back to the stationary and got one of the stationary. But at that distance, those transitions are really, really small angles because you're so far away. So it really didn't right. eat up that much time. Plus the swinger was already like unshootable. And so I was taking up that time shooting another target and uh, ended up getting two alphas on the stationary, alpha at Charlie on the bobber and alpha delta on the swinger. Okay. So your hits were there every, I mean, yeah, that's impressive. That that was, that's why I wanted to talk about this stage in particular because that was a. Uh, I I would have ex to be honest with you, I would have ex from. At my level. To be that smooth, it would take a lot of mental rehearsal for me to be able to, and maybe even in my hotel room to make sure that that last transition from the array on the left to the array downrange that transition would be smooth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so mental rehearsal, so, so a couple things with that. So like kind of knowing I'm going to be shooting some far targets and I want to have my center of gravity well. And so that means, hey, I want to drop this left knee to be planted on the ground. So instead of I'm not like in a full squat, because you can kind of be a little bit weeble wobbly in a squat. Yeah. So I want to drop the knee, at least have some kind of solid foundation. Um, but then mental rehearsal, every single stage, I uh, I rehearse in my mind several times over to the point where if I can close my eyes, I can kind of see like a chapter book of just like slideshows of where my eyes go to each target. So I'll be like, okay, the center of this target, center of this target, this one's a partial, so I'm going to favor this position over that one and just run that over in my head over and over and over again until it's literally subconscious at the point. So that whenever I shoot the stage, the only thing that I'm thinking about is what is my dot doing? Everything else is on autopilot. And then okay. uh, one of the oh, you were saying uh, a quick transition from the last target to the steel. And um, that's just eye speed. I uh, just don't, uh, a lot of guys over confirm after they shoot a target. What I like to call it is the third sight picture. So in our sport, you shoot paper targets generally twice. Um, and during the lift off of your gun on the second shot, you already want your eyes to be finding where your gun's going next. A lot of people have the tendency of letting the dot or the gun come back and recoil as they're still staring at the target, then shift their attention, and then the gun moves. And that's just a little bit inefficient and also takes up a lot of time. You do that 10 times throughout the stage, and so like that, it comes up to be like seconds of uh, your stage time versus if you can 
in recoil, lift your eyes to another position, find it, the gun will naturally come back into position and you're ready to fire. This episode is brought to you by Laser App, L-A-S-R App. They specialize in laser dry fire training, super convenient and not to mention super cheap. You can use anything for a dry fire target and any device with a camera for capturing the laser hits. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. And it's veteran-owned, Semper Fi, Ben. You can utilize multiple targets and multiple cameras. It can be as complex or as simple as your heart desires. They even sell steel challenge banners. They sell CERT guns and the CERT AR Bolt so you can practice indoors with your AR for free. There's a newsletter and a forum you can join. When you sign up for the newsletter, they'll send you a free six-part video series. Check out their website. It's a smorgasbord of items to make you better faster. Use the affiliate link on our website or at the bottom of our podcast notes and on YouTube for a 15% discount. Also, use our coupon code in the store for 10% off of other items not necessarily covered by our affiliate link. Thanks for your support, everyone. Without your support, this podcast would be difficult to maintain. So how long did it take you to get that skill down? A good while, for sure. Um, I've kind of always been kind of fast twitched in that aspect, but to kind of put it into the context of shooting, it took me a good while. Now, Brantley, I feel that you are a very aggressive, fast shooter. So do you find it difficult to be patient and not like, I I can hear it in your voice. You're like that second shot. My eyes are moving. Do you ever find yourself coming off before maybe as you're pressing that second shot? Uh, Most definitely. Definitely. That's something I have to work on is being disciplined enough into each target position that I'm not pulling off too early um, and also comes into practice. But uh, what I like to say is like, I can, I can push speed and I can be the fastest guy out there, but my hits are going to be absolutely atrocious. Um, if I focus on what my dot is doing and where my eyes are going on each target, my accuracy jumps up tremendously, but also I'm still generally fast. Um, and so it's kind of what you, what you focus on. Um, I think there's, two different types of shooters. I think there's the fast shooters who have to work on accuracy. And then there's the accuracy shooters who have to work on speed. Um, I am the fast shooter who has to work on accuracy. And so I can't go into a stage thinking, Hey, I gotta be fast. I gotta be fast. If I do that, I'm going to drop Charlie's deltas left and right, like crazy. If I go into it saying to myself mentally, this is subconsciously and consciously like saying it out loud to myself or in my head, Hey, I have to get my hits. I have to see my dot on every target. Also, I have to shot call. I think shot calling is so underrated um, because at these distances, like you have to call each shot so you know as soon as the gun lifts, you know where that bullet already went. And so you know you can, you're okay to move targets. You know, a lot of times, like you'll see it lift and I'll continue back on, throw another one, and then I'll go. Um, But sometimes, if it's like a predictive pair, um, I shoot two, I come off and I go back to it because I I called that second shot bad. Um, And that's just kind of the gaming aspect. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. You kind of got to play the game and see where it lands. That's a good explanation. You shoot that gun very flat. So, and look, there's John scouting in the, in the, almost in the tunnel with you. (laughs) (laughs) Just about, yeah. I have a feeling you might be on USA, shooting USA. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't put that run in there because that was a blazing fast run. Thank you. All right. So the next was, one. That was, was a lot of fun. That was a nice way to end uh, to end day one because generally I can, so looking over the past three nationals that I've shot, I always just shoot day one atrociously. I dig myself a humongous hole that I have to climb out of the rest of the days. Um, day two, I'm like the top of my game, and then day three, I'm in the middle of those two performances. And so to shoot, to end day one with that performance, I was super, super happy with because I hadn't been shooting that great uh, the rest of the day. Okay, I get that. Um, and that was a, that was your last stage of day one. 
and it was a stage win. Now, the interesting part is you start off day two on stage one of the match. So you finished ninth, stage 19 the day before. You start on stage one, and you get you start off the day with a stage one. Yep. Now, that's what I wanted to show here. Now, I found it interesting that you started both runs on the right side. Now, for those people listening that maybe didn't attend nationals, this was a um, six-round, uh, six-target stage where you're only putting w one round freestyle and then reload and then one round on each target stronghand for the first string. And you started on the right, whereas uh, I would say 95-plus percent of everybody started on the left, at least for this one. Now, mm -hmm. what made you choose the right side for both strings? Going into the matchbook, I saw that there was going to be some moving and shooting or potential place to move and shoot stronghand and weekend. And so I did hit that um, in dry fire and live fire pretty hard so that I was able to accomplish this goal, which was um, so you had two. So on the right side from where I started, you have two targets and there's really no other way to shoot those two targets other than stationary. You really can't leave on one. Uh, you can. I didn't really feel comfortable doing it. You have an open target that. 10 15 yards and then a partial at like seven and i wanted to shoot and then you have you have a slasher a tux no shoot and a head box um, and i wanted to shoot as many as many of the hardest shots with two hands on the gun and then the easier shots with one hand on the gun while moving um, i was comfortable moving one-handed a lot of people were not and so they would take this this stage is like a four position stage. Um, right. So I shot my two targets, kind of ran to a position where I was almost able to see all the targets. And then I would shoot all the targets one shot while moving freestyle, reload, and I'm standing in front of the two hardest targets, in my opinion, were the head box and the no shoot. Those were I thought had the most uh, opportunity for risk. And so I was going to be stationary, one handed either one, and shoot the head box and no shoot. And then I was going to move, um, at least take a step on the tucks and the slasher. And then it's just a quick run to the end and shoot the remaining two. Um, but I felt like I was confident enough to shoot all those targets on the move coming into position freestyle. And then I was stationary for the last two hardest ones. And then that's kind of how my mind went up. Um, I, I like shooting on the move. It's just I like to take the risk. Right. And I mean, at, at your level, you almost have to to remain competitive with those guys. And I mean, everybody on the super squad and the JBLs of the world, you know, you know you've got you've got to do that to stay competitive. Um, but I also find it very interesting because this will also show the difference between our level, our skill level in shooting. I looked at this stage as what's going to be easiest for me to move through the stage depending on whether I'm stronghand or weakhand. So when I shot stronghand, so like for this stage that I'm about to run, I actually started on the left because I felt more comfortable moving um, with my right, you know, my body's already going to be angled a certain way. And I felt like for me, moving from right to left stronghand was working out better. Um, and when we get to the, the partial with the stripe, I shot that moving backwards slowly one-handed. But with my weak hand, I wanted to come into that with the gun in front of me so I could keep moving slow, but I knew my dot was on there and then I could run mm -hmm. to the end. So I looked at it, whereas I never considered the last two shots. They were the hardest because the la very last shot was a head box with a with a no shoot below it. Um, uh, so uh, I head box. With the, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I had never considered That's that the those are the hardest and but I would be stationary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with the, with the head box too, like I felt like a lot of people were going to throw just two on brown on that target. And so I really, really wanted to take the time and get as many of the alphas on that head box as possible um, while having good speed because uh, they're 
you still got to get all your alphas. No matter how fast you are, you have to hit alphas. Right. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and run it. So here you are on the right side. Timer goes off. Bam, bam. That was quick. Moving, 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 move. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was mistaken. I was thinking the head box target had the no shoot, but it's just a hard cover black below the head box. All right, so, yep, you're in position, far left side. You're doing your mag change now, and strong hand, bang, bang, bang. Two targets, yeah, that was, and then I'll start moving. Yeah, that was, let me go back here. Same thing with the weak hand. Um, now, I am, I think I might be picking up my right foot as I'm shooting the no shoot. Um, or let's, it's let's, when I'm transitioning to the tucks. Okay, let's check it out. Well, you're already picking up. Yeah, you're already picking up your foot when you're shooting the head box because your foot is barely no, touching the ground. <laughs> What's that? I shoot one. I said that might be a little too early. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I wanted to be lifting up my foot um, as I'm calling the shot on the no shoot. Um, because I, I just did not want to throw a penalty. Mm, okay. So you're sliding over now, and your left foot is coming up. Yeah, your left foot is your toe. It looks like only the toe and the ball of your foot is on the ground when you shot the no-shoot. I've been a little too fast. <laughs> but it, it worked out, it's though, it, didn't it? I told you, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. I got lucky on that one, apparently. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is, yeah, I mean, it worked. Let's see where your right heel is down and you're on your left ball and it looks like you're about to shoot on the tuck. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's right in between frames there. Slasher. Am I shooting the slasher or the tuck right there? Um, I, well, let's see here. Oh, that was the slasher. Yeah. Okay, so I was moving, I was moving on the tucks and I was a little more stationary on the no shoot. Yeah, uh, so we had one, one shot. Okay, there's yeah. So, well, yeah, you you box. had l lifted on the head box. You had lifted your right foot up to where it's just the ball of the foot touching. So head box. And now we're transitioning. So, there's oh yeah, and that's no shoot. So I'm okay. pretty planted. That's that's how I'm gonna shoot it. And then I want it to be moving on the tucks, or at least picking a foot up. So yep, I'm transitioning. My left foot's coming up. Yep, you picked up your back foot. And then a little hesitation step, throw yep. on the slasher. Now, I find this funny because, and correct me if you, well, let me know if you do it differently, but I like to, if I'm moving and I need to slow down, you know, like that hesitation, I like to drag my mm -hmm. toe to give me balance and to control my speed. Um, I think I do that not consciously. I don't think okay. about dragging it on purpose. I think I just kind of do it sometimes. Um, not generally, but uh, I have noticed in some match videos I have drag, dragged a foot, drug, drug a foot, however you say that. Yeah, it works. Both of them work. Yeah, I've played a lot of sports, so I've used my feet to help balance, and I have found that I actually feel the fault lines and other things with with my feet and my toes. So yeah. I wish I, I, I had... to have a foot on the fault line, for sure, because like, you want yeah. Sometimes I've made the mistake of where I'm like completely outside of position shooting and you don't even know it because you don't even feel the fault line. But if you kind of come into position, feel that fault line, you know you're good, and so you keep shooting. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it looks like you're shooting, and as soon as you – it looks like as soon as you fired that shot, that left leg is up and moving, and boom, there you go. Now, do you always make these interesting faces when you run? Yes, sir. I like the, the, the tight lips as I'm shooting, and I'm just trying to dig hard and get to that end. Yeah, it's it's funny the faces we all make um, when we do this. Heck yeah. <laughs> you can tell there's effort. You know, that's how you know people are putting effort into it. Heck yeah. You can hear some, if you like, a lot of guys have the hat cam, and you'll hear them like yeah. grunt or cuss or something like that while they're sprinting. And so it's yeah. pretty funny. There ain't no fixing with whatever face you make. It will take no, no. tons of practice for you to change that. That's, that's real hard to do. 
So here you've deployed your parachute. You've changed your angle coming into the final position. And yep. gun is... Drop that butt up. and uh, just try to kind of <laughs> lean back a little bit. It looks like you found your dot quick. That, that one was quick. You make the transition and bang. I think so I had maybe two or three Charlies on the stronghand run. Uh, it wasn't a lot, but I picked up a Delta on the, the weekend. On the last target of the weekend string, I picked up a Delta. Uh, I this episode is brought to you by Hoist. Hoist your IV level rehydrating electrolyte blend of sodium, potassium, magnesium, and calcium. It's clinically proven to hydrate 110% faster than water. Chris Gelnett was on episode 63 and gave his own personal testimony. He had a bad experience with the heat at area eight in 2021 when temps were near hundred and the humidity was high. He was ready to quit with three stages to go. He had mentally checked out. Afterward, he listened to episode 48 with Rachel Trotta, decided to try hoist, bought a case off Amazon, started using it at locals and found, hey, I'm not fatigued at the end of the day. So he took it to area five. And at the end of the day, he was ready to shoot the match again. As a matter of fact, he even had a stage win on his last stage. Man, they have all the best flavors. They have watermelon, peach mango, dragon fruit, strawberry lemonade, grape, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. It's probably the only beverage that I've tried that I like all of the flavors. You can buy it either in a powder and mix it with water, or you can buy it pre-mixed, whichever way you prefer. But check it out, get hydrated, stay hydrated, use casual shooter and save 10% or be like Chris and have a recurring subscription and save 15%. Picked up a, I picked up a Delta on this open target back here. Um, and I don't remember if it was strong hand. It had to be strong hand actually, because that's where, yeah, that's where I reloaded. And I noticed that as soon as I saw the red dot on the Brown, I, the dot on the brown, I, I pulled the trigger and I was like, oh, that, oh, that's way low. I know that's low. That's low and that's low and right. Oof, that's ugly. I'll show the other half of that. And then so you came in and shot the slasher back here first. Um, whereas, and look, I am, I am not the guy who finished fourth at carry optics national. So I am not saying what I did was right in any, in any way, shape or form. I did it different, um, mm -hmm. but I came in on the tuck because I felt like I could get my dot up on the target faster. And then mm -hmm. there's more, more available Brown back here. So I felt like that was an easier transition and walking straight back in dry fire. I know that I feel very confident moving forward and moving backward in dry fire. Like I feel like I can keep the dot on the target easy. So that's why I went here, turned, shot this backing up. And then I was in, by that time, I was in position over here to be able to engage these. Now, why did you choose the slasher, then the tuck? Uh -huh. So, yeah, what you're saying, 100%, if you feel confident in doing something, do it that way versus right. doing it a different way. You know, um, I don't believe in like there's like a perfect way to do something, but there is definitely a, a wrong way performance way to do something yeah <laughs> right uh, yeah sometimes it's the wrong way sometimes there are just a lots of correct ways but it's, it comes well, down to how you actually perform well um, i think if you're doing something but, out of your comfort zone when you could do something better that's in your comfort zone <laughs> then that's doing it the other way is the wrong way for you definitely i would 100 agree with that Okay. Um, but uh, so coming into this position, I uh, I just felt like the slasher kind of disappeared faster than the, the tucks. Um, kind of as you were walking to the left, it was the first one to kind of disappear. And then you could see the rest of them. But uh, also, I didn't want to transition back and forth a lot. So I didn't want to come over here to the tucks, go to the slasher, and then come back to the no shoot. I kind of mm. wanted to just go to one end. And then almost hold the gun straight and just keep walking the whole entire time um, so that my transitions were a little bit easier. I didn't have to swing the gun a whole lot. 
and I was able to track the dot a lot easier. Okay. So what I'm hearing is you're too fast and you just need to slow down. Basically. You come you slow down to my level and you'll be fine. <laughs> Heck yeah. I get the alphas. Yeah. And look, what is this? You are shooting with your legs crossed. I'm pretty yeah, sure there's so a rule I, I against this. <laughs> I, I do not prescribe one bit to the two feet planted squat a little bit style of shooting. Um, now, if you're bullseye shooting, if you're stationary shooting, 100%. But I don't, I don't practice like being in the perfect fundamentally sound uh, stance to shoot because um, you're going to be in all different ways to shoot in real life and also in practical shooting. You know, so yeah. I like to I like to mix it up in dry fire and practice and cross feet. But I, I come from a, a basketball background, and so there's okay. lots of crossing the feet so sometimes getting low um and so I, I know i'm decently fast with moving my feet and i'm not gonna i don't generally trip myself up too often now my wife would say i trip myself up a lot but we just won't ask her yeah she's not on the podcast we're not asking her nope. Nope. <laughs> well and i mean that but that makes sense because i i've played a lot of basketball i've played intramural basketball but i typically wrestled or played football in school so i didn't play basketball in school, but I played enough. I mean, look, I was five, nine and I could touch my wrist to a basketball rim back in the day. So I could play basketball. Um, so I totally get man, the awareness of your feet and moving and all of that, especially, you know, when you're dribbling and moving your feet, all that has to be coordinated. So it makes perfect sense. Um, but this is, so you shot one target while your right leg is crossing over your left. As soon as that right foot hit the ground, your left foot's coming up and you are putting a shot on that tuxedo target. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, that's crazy fast. You're already, it looks like your dot is already moving to or on the second target, which has the no shoot as your left foot is still moving. Look at that. As soon as you're, Somewhere in between your foot barely touching and being on the ground, you have already put the shot on the no shoot target, not, not in the no shoot right foot's mm -hmm. up, right foot's crossing over. And there you are again, shooting with your legs crossed and neither foot is planted. So that's very impressive. Thank you. It's a, it's a detriment. Sometimes a lot of uh, like stationary positions, I'll catch myself. I'll go back and watch video and I have one put foot, planted solidly on the ground and the other foot for no other reason is like barely tiptoed on the ground and I'm fully stationary. I'm shooting stay like, like a easy target. Um, and for no reason, that's something I got to work on, but this is at the end of the day, this is a game. And yeah. so you can, I think you do need to game every entry. You need to come into a position knowing how you're going to exit that position. So already having your weight on the correct foot, are already leaning sometimes on a target instead of waiting till the after the last shot to initiate movement. I think if you initiate movement almost during the shot or during the array, depending on the, the target difficulty and the distance, um, I think you can gain some time from that. And I, I mean, I, that goes to exactly how you, you won the stage. I mean, it all goes back to comfort and what you're able to do the individual shooter himself or herself can do. Definitely. Um, and like you're saying, uh, 90% of the super squad shot this stage from the left. Um, and doing that, there really wasn't a, you could still move and shoot. Um, not a lot of guys moved and shoot as much as me. Um, and I ended up getting about a second and a half to two seconds on each string on the super squad. Wow. Now, how do you, how do you, or how are you shooting that weekend? It looks like your arm is completely extended and is it slightly tilted um, inward or is it straight up and down um so it's slightly tilted inward um and there's okay. just a little bit of bend in it um not much right uh, just just enough to kind of have some kind of shock absorbing aspect going right um, and then of course my yeah my non-shooting arm is tucked against my chest um because i don't want my arm kind of dangling out in free space moving around flopping and that's just going to move my gun around right and so i kind of want it tucked in tight uh, to the body yeah, that's the old bullseye thing too. You always keep your when you're shooting one handed. You always keep your left hand 
anchored to something so it's not causing any other movement definitely definitely and actually i just got got over a left hand thumb injury like two or three months ago and so i did lots of lots of dry fire one strong hand only and actually shot a local match strong hand only the whole match um just because i wanted to continue shooting i didn't want it to put me out and uh that was that was a lot of fun to shoot fully one-handed was a, a huge like a weird thing to do it just didn't feel natural but it was a lot of fun but you know that's also uh competitive wise it's a very smart thing to do especially you know in preparation for something like this when you know they're strong hand weak hand shooting um doing everything strong hand or weak hand will definitely give you a lot more comfort and confidence and give you stuff that you can go back and go, okay, I need to practice this strong hand and weak hand or, or this, you know? So it's actually, I imagine that's also kind of hard because the competitive side of you and, and, and maybe you can put it aside. I would still feel like there's still a little bit of competitiveness in you that you want to win the local, but you're putting the greater deed over that win. Um, so I didn't. I got like fourth place in Carapix on that local. Um, I didn't win it, but right. I wanted to go. I mean, I knew my performance was gonna go down, but I did. I wanted my efficiency to stay the same. I knew I was gonna be slower, but I mean, I still can perform the fundamentals. I still can move and shoot just at a slower pace. I can still do all these other things, um, just a little bit differently. I wouldn't say it would be like just a worse shooting in general. It was just different shooting. Um, I would just say it's a little bit slower. Yeah, absolutely. But also you had to kind of be real with yourself and realize, hey, I'm probably not going to win this local, right. but I'm going to shoot the best I can one hand, you know? And you have to be able to know your own game and see, like you have to be able to watch a video and say, okay, that was like my peak match performance or, hey, I could I could do a, those a lot better. Um, and that's kind of dependent on the person or how well you know somebody else. You can kind of judge their performance. Did you ever find yourself during that local going, man, if I just shot two hands, I could, I could pick up the points and win this thing. Uh, no, I'll say I was having fun with it. I was cutting up with the guys okay. joking. Um, and uh, it was just fun. Just try something new. They, they joke okay. with me and they're like, okay, now you got to come and shoot a match. We can only. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. <laughs> now here you Definitely. are. You've you've already um, changed mags. You got your first head shot at the head box, um, and you are definitely moving. So here's the gas because if I go back, there's no gas. You don't see any um, smoke, any combustion from the projectile. So it looks like somewhere in there you just fired at the no shoot, and you are you are moving. Uh, Go back just a little bit more. There's so there's the first shot. Right that's the there. no shoot. Go back just a little bit more. That's the first shot. Right. So, so you got there's it. coming up. There's your first yeah. shot right there. Head box. And then uh, okay, no see, shoot. Yeah, you, you shot both from the stationary. So yep. you shot the tucks on the move. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Yep. Perfect. Sense. There yep. we go. And I had I had recently been working on tux targets specifically because I had noticed I had was taking way too much time shooting them in local matches, and so I've been practicing on just shooting those um, more confidently and predictively when it comes to two hands, and also I practiced shooting them weekend only too, and so I was I was confident a little bit in doing it. I just needed to know I had to see my dot um, and just have a good trigger press. So you're just um, over confirming on the tux? Is that what you found? Um, a little bit, yes, sir. Okay. I was really, really like I was splitting on like a seven yard tux target. I was splitting at like a three, when in reality it needs to be. I mean, out of seven yards, a tux needs to be the same time as an open target, because you shouldn't be throwing Charlies on an open right. target at seven yards. So right, you should, you should be able to hold the a box. And throw two. Exactly. Okay. Um, and that, that only comes from seeing previous match footage and recognizing it and then going and putting it into practice um, and actually confirming it in live fire. Okay. And there's your predictive shooting. Yes. 
So you fired the one on the the slasher we've been calling it um, while moving. Your left foot's almost completely off the ground, and then boom, you are running. Same thing as before. Guns up. Try to get that gun you... up as soon as possible so you can catch that dot. Because um, I mean, I have difficulty sometimes finding the dot when it comes to a single hand shooting. And so if you could have the gun out in your vision sooner and finding the dot is always better. Yes, I totally agree. Boom. There's your shot. I can see the smoke. And now I always love these kind of pictures. Like I, I, I shot a local match. I use aim cam glasses. So the camera okay. is literally right here above my right eye and i was i was concerned that i was following my dot to the target so i was watching my footage from a local and sure enough i could see my my dot was here but my vision was over here so i'm like okay i'm cool i'm not i'm not doing what i was afraid i was doing um and this is a perfect picture. Your head is already turned looking towards the target hidden behind the wall, but your gun is still recoiling from the first target. Yeah, I mean, that aids in just precision of where your gun lands on a transition. Because um, also, right. I mean, you can be looking at the target, um, and I've noticed it in practice and also in locals, that if I don't look at the very, very precise center of the target my shots will have like two shots right next to each other in the middle of the charlie zone and it's because that's where my eyes went instead of mm. to the center of the target and so you have to be very diligent on where your eyes go on the target and not just go to the shape of brown now have you have you done anything any type of training and dry fire to train yourself to look at specific spots like for and what I mean is, I don't mean like, oh, I, I want to aim at this, but for the different target types, what I, and the example mm -hmm. I'll use is um, a year ago, I shot area eight because it's like two hours up the road. And mm -hmm. I ran across, that was when they were using, they used a bunch of IPSC targets and they were turning them funky directions. And I'm like, uh, I don't know where in the world I had to <laughs> walk those, down. Yep. Yeah, I had to walk down and look at the target and go, okay, here's my aiming point. So have you done anything in dry fire so that regardless of target type, you know subconsciously exactly where you're aiming? Um, yes. So all of my dry fire targets actually have little black dots on where I want my eyes to go to kind of aid in the visual process of moving from target to target and also to kind of subconsciously know this is where your eyes go every time. Um, and then on like the no shoot and tux targets, I'll have the dot um, a little bit offset sometimes um, and just, just practicing. But like you said, like if, if I'm in a local or a match and I'm like, where do I really need to aim on this target? I'll go down, I'll walk however far distance and I'll stare at the target and kind of guesstimate where I need to aim to get the max of points, but also where I'm, no, I'm not going to get penalties. Right, yeah, because that, that hurts as bad as shooting um, a Delta very, or worse. But like you mentioned flipping a target. There was a stage last Nationals where it was a short little shoot, and they had a target, a USPSA target, flipped all the way upside down. And I drove straight off one target onto that target. I shot at the shape of brown and had two Charlies almost touching in the Charlie zone, where if you would have flipped the target right side up, they would have been in the dead center of the alpha but because oh. I wasn't visually understanding of where the alpha zone really was, they were too Charlie. And so right. I was like, I, I've been, hadn't been noticing all that a lot. And so I was really diligent in dry fire and live fire to, to fix that mistake, which I'm okay. still working on. It's not, I'm not saying it's like hundred percent fixed, but everything's a process. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you want to, I've got all my questions covered here. Is there anything more you wanted to add? Like maybe we talked about that you don't feel we, we hit on well or anybody or anything you want to plug? Um, don't believe so. Just shout out to, uh, like you said, my wife and all my family have just been so supportive in the shooting 
and all the friends, all the local guys. Um, I was very fortunate to the local that I shoot have some really, really great competitors that I've kind of grown up in the shooting, watching them and implementing them or uh, like trying to emulate them and how they shoot fast, how they shoot precise and stuff like that. So I've, I've surrounded by a lot of great people. Um, and of course, uh, lock grips and Ruben's reloading are my two sponsors now. And, um, they've been, they've been really good. Somebody needs to pick you up as a sponsor shooter. Cause, uh, yeah, because yeah, that's why. <laughs> well, and tell your wife, I said, thank you for letting you be on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I will. Brantley, it's been a great conversation. I hope to have you on again sometime. Most definitely. I'd love to be back on. Okay. I, I love all the information. That was a lot. So to be able to go through those videos and talk about it was awesome. Good, 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 good. That's something new that I'm starting to do. I'm starting to kind of, like I've personally done match breakdown videos, but I want to kind of share how I break down my own videos um, in the future. And and I did notice that you do have your own YouTube channel. So I'll put that in the show notes mm -hmm. too. So I'm going to go back. I just subscribed today. I'm going to go back and look at some of the stuff you've got. Very interesting. Thank you. Be watching in the next couple of days. I'm going to drop a, a breakdown video of all of nationals. Ooh, okay. I will. Sounds well, you have a great day. Have a, I hope you have a great week and I look forward to having you on again. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you as well. Mm -hmm.